The following sermon is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. It is an honor to be here with you guys, and uh, good to help Pete take a sabbatical. Uh, I'm sure it's much needed, and so thankful to be with you here this morning. Let's uh, begin in prayer. Lord, so many times we've been shaped and sanctified by your word, and I pray that that would continue this morning as we study um, your word given to us. Let the uh, Holy Spirit within us stir and point our hearts to you, to Christ, and to our faith. Amen. Is this on, by the way? We're good? I'm getting the thumbs up. All right. Thank you. I think I could yell across the room if I needed to, though. Inequality, inequality is part of the human experience. That's what I want to talk about this morning. That's what our story's about this morning. Inequality, that feeling of either not measuring up, not being the same value, the same worth as someone else, that is just a natural part of our experience as humans. Or... It's that feeling of judgment when you look at someone else and you know, I am better than them. I have done more than them. It's that pride. This is kind of the water we swim in every day. It's the way of seeing the world through hierarchies and scales. And this is part of our human experience. So just as our our newborn son, Gus, will instinctively hold on to anything you put in his Hands, you've had young kids, you know this, they just grab on. Could be a toy, my finger, so cute. Could be my lip or my eyelid, not so cute. He just grabs on. It's reflex. So we too reflexively judge others around us. And in this world, everyone is not treated equally. Everyone is not accepted equally, and everyone is not valued equally. And I wonder this morning where you think you measure up. As you walked into Holy Cross this morning, and uh, you saw different cars parking, people getting out in different clothes, talking to some people, not talking to others, different marriages, parenting styles, careers, all represented in this room. As you looked around, as we played the first song, kind of glanced around. Oh, yeah, I need to sing, but you're still looking. What were you, what was going through your mind? Well, the greeting time was, as uh, Peter mentioned, very friendly. So this is clearly a, a strong community. And yet, we still fall into these sinful patterns of thinking. Well, the scripture that we're reading this morning is, uh, is a parable from, from Jesus, and uh, I think it has a lot to say about equality and what God thinks about equality, what God thinks as he looks at the people in this room, the people on earth. Let's begin this story. It's in Matthew chapter 20, and it is the first 16 verses. I'll go ahead and read them to us now. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again, the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers together and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those who were hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is a very simple story. Uh, it's, the beginning is very repetitive, and it gets to the conclusion there. It's also very provocative. And when you hear this story, just thinking, this isn't fair, this isn't right. But Jesus is telling his disciples this story because he wants to illustrate for them God's truth and the way God sees the world and his creation. We know this because he starts it by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Okay, so we started a little bit kingdom of earth there, workers working different amounts of time. We know what that's like. People contributing on different levels. People outperforming one another. That's earth. That's how it is. But the kingdom of heaven is different. God sees it differently. And you read the generosity of the master at the end, you start to understand, this is contrary to my nature, contrary to how I would have thought this story would go. So part of Jesus' mission is teaching his disciples, this is how you live under God's authority. You're still on earth, you still have the pain, that's part of it. But you're living under God's authority now. This is the kingdom of heaven. And this story that we have here, I think the key to this parable is unlocked in the last verse. Check it out again. So the last will be first and the first last. I didn't say this earlier, but if you have a Bible or an app, it could be cool to have it out because we'll jump into Romans later. You may want to see it. But anyways, uh, you can see in your, in your Bible here in uh, chapter 19, verse 30, the last verse of the previous chapter, Jesus said, but many who are first will be last and the last first. So that's what he says. And then he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. Then read the story. It's again repeated that phrase. So this is the key to unlocking the story. This is what frames it. I think one of the best ways we can think about this phrase, actually, is uh, it's kind of with a visual here. So I don't know if you have the slide, but it's the first one. Boom, there it is. Okay, so who knows what this symbol means? It's on your phone somewhere. I'm getting a circular motion. What is it? 
repeat, repeat a song. Well, actually, I got ahead of myself there. This, if you have like Spotify or iTunes or something on your phone to play music or your computer, this button, if you've ever wondered what it does, probably accidentally hit it and then it like plays the same song five times. You're like, what is happening? So this is what that does. All right, let's do the next one, sir. Thank you. Okay, now we have a one. The one means, if you don't know this, the one is I'm just going to replay one song over and over. The repeat is the whole album or playlist, but the one is just the one song. So if you don't hear anything else this morning, please hear that the one repeats the one song. I'm just kidding. Uh, but this is how I think it's helpful to think about um, the first will be last and the last will be first statement. It should be more of a loop in our mind. The first will be last and the last will be first. The first will be last and the last will be first. Now, why would I say that? Well, um, we can ki kill the slide if you want. Thank you. Perfect. Um, I say that because often we hear the statement from Jesus and we think, okay, we've got, got a first, we've got a last, but Jesus is going to flip it. So then, I mean, as a kid, you'd be like last in line at like some restaurant and you just tell your siblings, like, it's cool, I'll be first in heaven or whatever. You know, if you grew up in the church, like, we use this verse to be like, I'm going to juke you, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm getting ahead of you, ha ha, going through the pearly gates first. Um, which is just ridiculous. And Jesus uses this phrase other places. Many times what he does mean is, from a worldly perspective, the people that are on the bottom of the rung that we see, I'm talking about sad situations, those people sometimes will enter the kingdom of heaven before the people we think they're number one. And it's because of the heart. But I don't think that's just, just, just what Jesus is saying when he says this phrase. Because if you do this, wait, I did this, so okay. So if you do this, you still have a top and a bottom. And like I already talked about, we as Christians reading this verse, I mean, you can even think like, uh, okay, I want to be first, but Jesus is saying to be last. So take out the garbage, and I'll actually fold the laundry the day I wash it for my wife. And okay, I'm getting closer. Now, I am first because I'm last, because I'm first. What's happening? It's, it's craziness. Jesus is talking about the idea of a leveling. In the kingdom of heaven, the first are last, and the last are first. Because in God's eyes, all are equal. God sees everyone the same. So now that we understand the key to this, at least in this story, I think... Jesus is trying to get our minds to break a little bit here because we are so embedded in outperforming one another and comparing ourselves to others. And Jesus is giving us a different model. So let's look back at how the story sets up and uh, continue to see how, how what Jesus thinks about equality. So we start with a master leaving his house early in the morning. And... Um, the hours here are a little weird, uh, just to let you know. It says he goes out early in the morning, then see, says he goes out at the third hour. That's not 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. It's the third hour of a work day, is how, is how I, would, I would read this. So ultimately, you have a 12-hour work day. Um, so if anyone here is in, like, residency or whatever, which I'm not, uh, but you work, like, 24-hour work days. Um, so this is half of what you do. But uh, he, um, he goes out let's say 6 a.m., so the third hour would be 9 a.m., so the sixth hour would be 12 p.m. So he's going out every couple hours to find more workers. 
And the very premise of the story is that men are hired at different times. And even if you assume they work relatively the same amount of hours or uh, same amount of effort in their work in the, in the vineyard, though the fact is those hired at 3 p.m. cannot achieve what those hired at 6 a.m. are able to do. It's impossible. And even more so for those hired at 5 p.m. He says the 11th hour, we're talking about a 12-hour workday, sunrise to sunset. Those hired at the 11th hour, they cannot do in those 60 minutes what those that have been doing since 6 a.m. have been doing. And Jesus understands our world. He does not, he understands that people do not appear to be equal. And honestly, they're not equal in the sense that some people work harder than others. Some people are more talented than others at certain activities. Uh, a, few, a few months ago, when Gus was born, I, I took some time off work, and uh, uh, Shannon was, was off as well. And we had, you know, two weeks. I thought I would, like, do some stuff, like build, a, like, a flower box or, like, try a Korean barbecue recipe. We were tired. We had our first baby, okay? So we ended up doing any of that, but, uh, which was good. And my wife is like, thank you, yes, that was so dumb that you thought that would happen. Um, but what we, uh, what we ended up doing was, of course, Gus, uh, you know, babies sleep a lot when they're first born. Um, so he would sleep a lot. Sometimes when he was sleeping, we definitely wanted to join him. You know, let's, let's take our advantage now of a nap. Um, but other times, we didn't, we didn't want to sleep, and we were too tired to do much. So we, uh, we got back into, this is like true confessions this morning, we got back into American Idol. So we watched the most recent season of American Idol, which like I don't think, I don't want to like, hurt, I mean, I watched it. I was like catching up on YouTube if I missed something or something like, what was that performance like? Oh, they got eliminated. Um, anyways, yeah, we were doing this in the afternoon. Uh, so a, lot, a lot's changed on the show. You remember American Idol? It's like season 45 by now, so it's just crazy. Ryan Seacrest still looks the same age somehow. But um, they, uh, you know, it's, it's people singing. And um, it's different judges. I mean, it's a different vibe than when I watched it when I was like 12. But, um, but the bad auditions are still so good. It's so good to watch someone come in and just stink. Just be so bad at singing and think they're good. And the judges are like wincing or looking down or like hiding their face behind their card or trying not to show that they're laughing. That's so funny. But why is that funny? It's funny because we live in an unequal world where some people are gifted and some people just aren't. And you get to sit on your couch and think, ha, they're no good, but at least I didn't go on the show. I mean, I can't sing either, but, uh, but you know, at least, uh, at least I didn't stand before Katy Perry and pretend that I could, or something like that. The show works because we have unequal talents, unequal giftings, and this is what uh, Jesus sketches out in the first part of the parable. There's some men who have ended up working harder than others. Let's keep going in the story here. In verse 8, when the evening came, so 6 p.m., the owner of the vineyard, um, he calls the laborers, says, pay them their wages, beginning with the first to the last. So the foreman's probably been watching their work all day, kind of overseeing the project. And uh, he says, give them a denarius, which is a full day's wage. So it's like a Bible word. Your Bible probably has like a weights and measured table in the back, but it's a day's wage. So in my head, I'm thinking like 120 bucks, 10 bucks an hour for 12 hours, something like that, you know. Uh, and so... He, he, he grabs the guys who have been there since 5 p.m., and he's like, all right, here's 120 bucks. Whoa, pretty nice. 
And uh, then the guys who have been there since 6 a.m., they kind of start rubbing their hands. All right, this is going to be good. I know, I know in verse 2 we agreed to a denarius, but uh, hey, did we just make a grand? Like, I'm doing the math here. You make 120 an hour. I think this is going to be a pretty awesome day in the vineyard. I'm, I'm coming back tomorrow. Um, but they shouldn't think this. <laughs> They're still under contract for a day's wage. This whole story started with that premise. And so sure enough, he hands them the denarius. Exactly what they promised, exactly what's deserved for a day's wage, but not what they wanted when they saw others being treated with generosity. And they grumble to the master, and he says, friend, I am doing you no wrong. This is what we agreed to. When I met you this morning, this is what we talked about. This story is really hard to swallow, I think. It is for me. When I read this, I just think, that's not fair. Okay, you treated everybody fairly, but it's not fair that you did that. You should give according to what what they've accomplished. This is how it works. I perform, I'm successful, I get the reward. I try to perform and I fail, I don't get the reward. You probably feel this way too. This probably happened to you before. Right away, my mind went to group projects from high school and college. Oh, and some of you in this room, like there's different types of people in the room when they're working in group projects, and some of you are the smart ones that let the like, type A people carry the load, which is what I'm complaining about right now. <laughs> like you get this assignment from the teacher, and you're working with four people, and finally the deadline comes. You're like, all right, everyone just send what you have to me. I'll put it all together, throw an all-nighter. Teacher's like, awesome, you all get an A. Like, can, I, can they get like a C and I get an A? Like, do you know what happened behind the scenes here? This is ridiculous. Or maybe you've had a family get together or a party at your house and you invite your friends or your family over. They're like, hey, let's all chip in. Come on, bring some stuff. We'll, we'll have burgers and a fruit salad and we'll have some drinks. And then one of your family members is like, awesome, we'll bring mustard. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Okay, and you, like, make excuses in your mind, but as they come in the door, it's all, like, eating. It's their second plate. They're on your couch. You're like, mustard? Just eat, mu- just eat what you brought then, just a spoonful of mustard. You resent it. And you, and you want to have fun, but it's, it's, it's unequal. Everyone shouldn't be having the same amount of fun if I'm the one who worked all morning to make this event happen. Or maybe you feel like sometimes maybe you're the only one in pulling any weight in your marriage. And you realize that. And you think, I, I, we need to reconnect. Uh, it's harder than it used to be to just like, feel like we're on the same page and even romantic. And so you like, bring home takeout. Let's do a foot rub. That's a good one, guys. And uh, try extra hard to listen. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm going to listen. That's another good one, guys. And, uh, and then as it's happening, you realize, wait, they're not pursuing this like I am. I'm, I'm busting it over here to make this marriage work. You better step up, bucko. Forget it. If you don't want it, I don't want it. And that's the story that Jesus tells. With these workers, they have the same reaction all of us have. I think the funniest thing, though, is look at their complaint. They, they say in their hearts and, and amongst each other, they thought they would receive more. But when they come to the master, this is what they say. These last worked only one hour, And you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. 
for you made them equal to us. Don't pretend like they did anything close to what we did. We're not the same. And the master turns to them and says, am I not allowed to do with what I have? It's my money. You don't want me to be generous? In other words, he doesn't agree or disagree with them on who worked more. He just says, I'm being generous. He doesn't talk to them about the scorching heat. He says, I'm being generous. You see, the kingdom of God is a lot like Christmas morning. (laughs) Well, we have this picture in our minds at least. I know some of us have harder Christmases for various family reasons or memories, but wherever your life experience, even if it's more of a television commercial, I think we can all agree that the picture of Christmas is like three or four kids opening their gifts under the tree, and mom and dad are just like, they got their coffee. Hmm, this is so nice. It doesn't matter what the kids did yesterday. It doesn't matter that Devin dropped his scooter in the pool. It doesn't matter that Susan went to bed last night. It's Christmas. And mom and dad are giving generously to their kids. But the oldest child looks at his mom and says, hey, why are you giving my younger sister as many gifts as me? I've been helping out with the chores way longer than she has. Mom's going to say, what What are you talking about? It's Christmas. It's about giving generously. Jesus' story is not, not easy to swallow for us. We say in theory that we want everything to be equal. But when it comes down to it, very few of us would be happy to work hard for something and then watch that prize just be handed to someone else as a handout. So what is Jesus talking about? He's got this idea, this kingdom of heaven, okay? But we're on earth. So where is this coming from, Jesus? How, how do I even get into that mindset? So foreign. The, the answer to this question, the reason why Jesus can say that the first will be last, the last will be first, not this, not this, not this, but this, the reason he can say that is because all of us in this room have the same exact problem. We are bad. We are bad people. And we all are in equal need of God's grace. That is why Jesus can say that. And it's not just doing wicked things. It's not just, I'm doing, I did something bad, or I have a history of doing things that are bad. I I can make a list if you want, whatever. That that gets back to performance. That gets back to, well, I've only been doing bad things since 3 p.m. He's been doing bad things since 6 a.m. It's that we are bad. We do bad because we are bad. And we need help. We need God's help. So we're going to go to Romans now and see why um, Jesus can say this a little more clearly in this, in this letter of Romans here. In Romans chapter 3, and we do have a slide for this uh, first verse here, uh, verse 23. Unless you don't, that's totally cool. Um, Romans three twenty-three. If you have uh, grown up in the church or you've been going, coming to Holy Cross for a while, you probably have heard this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Easy to memorize, not very fun to meditate on, but true. If you look back in chapter 3 of Romans, Paul, who wrote Romans, he grabs all these verses from Psalms and Isaiah and like strings them together to be this huge description of humanity. And it's horrifying. He says, as it is written, no one is righteous. This is in, starts in verse 10 of chapter 3. As it is written, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Hear the description of people. Not necessarily actions per se, but people. Bad people doing bad things. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps, it's like a poisonous snake, is on their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. doesn't mean like they do kickboxing and like kick you and you bleed or something like that. It means they are off to the races to eat someone alive. They think they can judge someone or bring someone down. Their feet are swift to get there. Their paths are ruin and misery. The way of peace, they don't know it. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. This is how Paul, in this letter, describes humanity aside from Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're equal. Now we're going to read the, the, the two verses together, 23 and 24. Romans 3, chapter, uh, verse 23, 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Praise God. And all are justified by his grace as a gift. He has a right to be generous with what he has. And he's generous to us. It's all a gift. And later in Romans 5, you probably know this one too, Paul says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We were bad, doing bad. Feet swift to shed blood. We were tearing each other apart. Christ dies for the ungodly. He becomes last. He becomes the least. And we, in the righteousness of Christ now, become first. So all are equal, for all have failed and have sinned. But all are equally saved by Christ. Meaning that putting faith in Christ is how we are saved. Not by doing fewer bad things. That comes naturally with walking with the Lord, by the way. Try not to do bad things. Let's try to walk in grace with the Lord together. And you will watch as you see in your life unfold. We've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We are saved by coming to God and saying, and when he calls us in our hearts, I am bad, I do bad things, I can't stop doing bad things, I need you. And God will give a gift of grace. And if you're a Christian in the room this morning, you remember that moment when you felt God call your heart. You went to him and you prayed, I'm sorry for my sin, I'm not right, I need you. And you believed and you trusted that Christ's death paid for your sins, and that his resurrection is what one day you will take part in, being raised from the dead to live with God. 
if you're not a Christian in the room, if you don't know Christ, if you're not walking with Christ, you're still out in the vineyard. <laughs> you're still probably waking up early, grinding, trying to get it done, showing who you are. You're looking around the vineyard. Hey, he got here at three. Hey, he works harder than me. I hope I can be like him one day. And you're failing. You're failing. Friend, it's impossible. Only God can give the free gift of grace. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? So this is what Jesus is saying in his parable. It's our nature that we judge others. But every one of us is equally in need of his grace. And as the master of the vineyard in this story, God is generous to all. God turns no one away. Even if you've only worked one hour for him, so to speak, it actually doesn't matter because it's not a performance-based faith that we have here. Working one hour is terrible by the world's standards. So, like, it's 40 hours a week for a full-time job. One hour is terrible. It doesn't matter because it's a free gift of grace. We all need it. We're all in equal need of it. Free gift of grace, salvation from sin, forgiveness of God, the hope of heaven. I mean, Shannon and I have been to, like, two funerals um, in the past month. <laughs> I gotta say, when I'm sitting there watching the slideshow of the peace person's life, I'm so thankful for the resurrection. <laughs> I'm gonna see that person again. <laughs> I love the pictures, I love the songs, it's so moving, but this is a free gift of grace that goes beyond the grave into heaven. That's our hope, Christian. Our hope is that we're not in the vineyard. Maybe, maybe if I trust God, maybe if I work harder, I can stay in the vineyard longer. That's great. You're going to heaven. <laughs> And that's the hope we have in Christ. So church, we need to dive deeper into God's grace for us this morning. It's only by embracing the grace he's given us that we can freely give grace to others. For some of you in the room, you feel a little bit like the 6 a.m. crowd. You've been following the Lord for a while. You've probably been pretty active here at Holy Cross. And you might even be a reason why this church is thriving and growing. God might be using you in that ministry. But watch out that you begin to experience pride in what you've done in the master's vineyard and forget the generosity that he will give to all. If you look at other Christians this morning and you take pride that you're better than them, you wonder why they don't serve or maybe they're not as spiritual as you. And maybe someone should ask them that. Part of the church is being a community of faith where we build each other up. So it's not just, you know, there's no, no accountability whatsoever ever at any time. But, but you've got to watch what's in your heart. And, and, and watch out for this reason. Not only is it not Christ-like to be judging others and measuring yourself against others, it's, it's forgetting the gospel. It's forgetting the free gift of grace you've been given. And as you continue to do that, live in that pattern, you're forgetting the gift, you're forgetting the grace, and slowly, he who is judged by that standard, they will be judged. You will be judging yourself. If you view yourself as the 5 p.m. crowd, that is, late to the game, not feeling like you're doing what God asks of you, always failing, or maybe you're still in the market, Wishing the master would call you to work. Wondering if he's called you. 
If you're discouraged and you came in this morning wondering whether or not you've worked enough, done enough to get God's grace, um, may I encourage you that you actually can never work enough to earn his grace. So, I'm sorry. And yet, it's already the end of the workday. And Christ has died and risen, and he is giving generously the gift of grace to all who receive it in faith. So think of these workers to whom the master went out. Think about the 5 p.m. crowd um, this morning who uh, went out and, um, and even though they worked only a little bit in the vineyard, they were still rewarded with the same payment for those who had worked hard because it's all on grace and generosity. And I imagine those 5 p.m. workers, that crowd, went home to their wives and were like, honey, this is crazy. I worked one hour today. This guy, this, this vineyard owner, so cool. He gave me 120 bucks. And look, it wasn't the, my best day work-wise, but this is awesome. And uh, just the, the thanksgiving and the gratitude that would come from such a generous gift of grace. My prayer for us this morning is that as we leave this morning, we are rejoicing with one another. You won't believe the grace I've been given. I didn't work to earn it, and I couldn't do that. I haven't done a thing, and yet I'm called, welcomed, and loved by God.